0: Good morning. It's good to see everybody. We'll be taking your Bibles turn over in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 4 will be our passage where we'll begin reading in just a minute. We are blessed to have such a beautiful day, comfortable day to be able to come together and to worship and to study God's Word. As you turn to Exodus chapter 4, I'll remind you of the context here. Back in chapter 3, the previous chapter, we have the account... The angel of the Lord appearing to Moses in the burning bush on Mount Horeb. And you remember that uh, Moses, when he turned aside to see this burning bush, burning but yet not consumed, uh, God spoke to him and told him how he was going to send Moses to Egypt to speak to Pharaoh, that he would tell him to let his people go, that he would lead them out of Egypt. God had a purpose for Moses. He had a work that he was to do in God's service. But you'll remember that Moses kind of balked at that. He he started making excuses. And this is what we want to read about right here in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, What is in your hands? He said, a staff. He said, throw it on the ground. And he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. I always thought that was a funny passage. What would you do if God told you to throw your stick on the ground and it turned into a snake? I'd run from it, too. I, I don't know how far he ran before God stopped him. it, said, but it says he fled from it. Lord finally stopped him and got him to come back. For it says, in verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. And he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they might believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. It goes on to tell us how God performed other miracles uh, with Moses to ensure him. He told him to put his hand in his bosom. And you remember he took it out, and it was leprous, white as snow, and put it back in. It was, uh, it was restored. But Moses still continues to make excuses. He, he made the excuse that he couldn't speak very well. Verse 11, he, he says, uh, God said, Who made the mouth, and who made the dumb and the deaf for the seeing or the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? <laughs> Moses still argues with him, asks him, Send somebody else. Now this was an excuse. Because you come over to the New Testament, you've got divine commentary about Moses there and Stephen's sermon as he's telling the history of Israel. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 22 it says, Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians and was a man uh, uh, powerful in word and deed. <laughs> well, he's brought up with the Egyptians, the best teachers there ever were. Now, his, no doubt his Egyptian was it'd been 40 years. But man, powerful in word and deed, God chose him. God knew what he could do. This was an excuse. And because he was making excuses, in verse 14, it says, The anger of the Lord burned against Moses, and he told him that he'd send him with his brother Aaron, and he'd be his spokesman. Now, that tells me it's an excuse, because God's not going to get angry at you for something that you can't do. God knows everything, and he asked him to do what he Knew he could do, but he made excuses. And God's anger will burn against anybody who makes excuses to not do what they know they, they ought to do and what God knows that they can do. He said in verse seventeen, "And you take your staff in your hand, which you perform these signs." And that's important. Um, you read this passage. You, you first of all say, "Well, you know, how could Moses? How could somebody? God speak directly to Moses, asking him to go do something for him, and he makes excuses not to do it." Uh, why didn't he just say, "Yeah"? You know, like some of the prophets, here I am, Lord, send me. You know, that wasn't the way he looked at it. But, you know, it's easy to be hard on other folks, isn't it? It's easy to be hard on Moses. Uh, the Lord asked us to do stuff. He didn't speak to us directly, but he speaks to us through his inspired word. and And he's got a responsibility for you as an individual. In fact, there's many responsibilities that you have as an individual. And whether you do them or not, it's going to be whether or not God's anger burns against you or whether you just make excuses. Um, a lot of times we say, oh, I'd I do more in the Lord's service if I just had the ability. Um, if I could do like Brother So-and-So, if I could be like Sister So-and-So, if I could do it, then I I'd do more, but I just don't have it. You know, what I can do is insignificant, really wouldn't matter anyway. Uh, but we need to understand that there's work that every individual is responsible for doing. Everybody that's sitting here. Young or old, you've got a responsibility in the Lord's work. And I want you to think about this morning, how, how much are you working in the Lord's service? There's something you can do. Uh, there's something given in the hands of every one of us if we just use it. Dedicate it to the Lord's service, then God will multiply that to become a great tool in his service. I don't, I don't care what that is. And I want you to think about what it is that you've got. You notice there in verse 2, Moses had made the excuse, what if they won't believe me? What if the, You know, they say the Lord hasn't sent you. I don't have this ability. They won't listen to me. But God said, what is in your hand? That's what I want you to think about. What is in your hand? Well, what did Moses have? He said, "Well, it's a it's a stick, it's a staff. I got a staff in my hand." He didn't think as much. You don't think about what you got till you use it. It wasn't that he was empty-handed. He had a stick. A stick doesn't seem much to do God's work, but when you'll just use what you got, I don't care what it is. If you'll just use what you have. And dedicate it to the Lord and use to the best of your ability, God will bless that and through his power can cause great things to come, to glorify him. Moses said, I can't go, I don't have the ability. And yet he said, What's in your hand? He said, Throw it on the ground. What can God do with a stick? That's the thing. You know, it's not about what my ability is, how limited my, what is it that God can do with you and your ability, what that you have? It may seem insignificant as a stick. But if God can take a stick and perform the ten plagues of Egypt, if he can take a stick in the hand of Moses and be able to part the Red Sea and deliver God's people, he can do something with what you got. So when we start to make excuses, we need to ask this very question. You know, what is in your hand? Uh, what did Moses have? Well, he had this staff, he had this stick, but he used it in the service of God. It's always been that way. If people will, will simply use what it is that they have with faith in God, God can multiply that to become a great thing in his service. You take Shamgar, for example. You look at Judges chapter three and verse thirty one. What is Shamgar? You remember Shamgar? Uh, one of the judges There's not much said about Shamgar. But it tells us that Shamgar was a man of faith. He didn't have much. Evidently he was just a farmer. What he had in his hand was an ox gold. Ox gold, that's just a sharp-pointed stick. That's all it is. You prod them along. An ox gold, go to them along. But with that, it tells us there that he slew 600 Philistines and delivered Israel. Now you think it was the, because of the power of the ox gold that he had? No. It was his faith in God to be able to use what he had in his hand. If you just use what you got, you can do great things. Here was one who became a judge of Israel and delivered God's people because he used what he had. You take David, what did he have? Slingshot and five little rocks. That doesn't seem much to go against the great Philistine champion giant that was taunting Israel. But he went out there and he fought him and he won. He slew him and ended up cutting his head off and delivering Israel. Because he had faith in God to just use what he had. A slingshot and five rocks seem smaller than it. It seem insignificant. Would you have done that? Would you use what you have? Or would you say, well, all I've got is five rocks and a, a slingshot. <laughs> you can make excuses, or you can be a man of courage at whatever age. You look at the New Testament. you got this little boy in John 6, verse 9, what he had. Just a little bit of bread and some fish, just a lunch. In fact, Andrew, one of the apostles, I think he says something about Andrew. Andrew, you know, he he always seems to have a a little bit edge on faith. Now, what we've got this but what are these to, to feed so many? But if you take what's small and what seems insignificant and you put it in the hands of the Lord. He multiplied that to become enough to feed 5,000 men besides the women and the children. If you just use what you got, you do great things. There's a lesson for us there. Are you using what you got? I didn't ask you what you had. You can decide that. All of us got different things, but everybody's got something. And whether the Lord looked at how's he looking at you god's already telling there's responsibilities we'll look at some of those this morning but are you using them are we you making excuse if you're making an excuse and just going through the motions of religion i mean you got the responsibility to come together and do together what god said do together that's assembly you know but that's just part of what we're to do if that's all i'm doing you know, we come together to do together what God says to do together so we can go out and do what we need to do on our own. And a lot of times people wouldn't miss coming together and doing together what God said to do together, but they don't do anything when they leave. <laughs> we got to get busy. we got to stay busy. And we've got a responsibility to do that. And I can't use the excuse, well, what can I do? Well, just ask what's in your hand. We just need to ask ourselves that very question. I want you to look over at Romans chapter 12 and verse 4, and I think this is what the Lord's saying through the Apostle Paul here in the New Testament. You look there, begin reading in verse 4. He says, "...for we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function." He's talking about what we've got in our hands to do. And everybody's got ability to do something. Now, not all of us have the same ability, but everybody's got something. And he says so. He says, we all don't have the same function, so we who are many are one body, are individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. He saying whatever it is that you got, and he said, everybody's got something. He said, We're all in this body, we're all different. We're individuals, members. I can't do what you do, you may not do what I do. We don't all have the same abilities in the same way. But though we're all one, we're all individually members one of another, and we've all got responsibilities. And he says, Whatever it is that you're whatever's in your hand. Is that not what he's saying? Whatever's in your hand, he says, you need to be using it. He, My version says, you need to be exercising it. That's putting it into action. You can't sit on your hands and be a Christian. you got to be active. you got to serve. you got to do what you can. Now, he says, whatever it is that... Uh, these gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to his uh the proportion of his faith. Now we understand in this context he's writing at a time when the New Testament wasn't complete and there was prophecy still in effect. Paul in first Corinthians chapter thirteen talked about how that prophecy and tongue, the, the things that were lacking, the things that they long as the Word of God was only received partially, then they had those gifts, those spiritual gifts. Prophecy was just speaking God's Word orally. They had to have that till he had it written down and confirmed and preserved. Now, we've got that, so prophecy has been done away. with. He said when the complete comes, prophecy will be done away. Well, that one doesn't apply to us, but I want you to look at the rest of them. He says, If service in his serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what's evil, and cleave to what's good, and be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and practicing hospitality. Now, I want to look at some of these. Any time that we have in our mind, well, I, I would do, but I don't know what I can do. <laughs> what I can do is insignificant. He said, everybody's got some function, whatever function that you've got, get busy with it. That's what he's saying. Exercise. You know, the wise man said, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. Whatever your what hands find to do, how you to do it? All you might. Whatever you got to use, better be using it. Uh, and that's what he's saying here. And verse 7, somebody said, well, what can, what can I do? What can I do? Serve. He talks about serving. I'll tell you, this is something everybody can do. Everybody can serve. The problem is, I think in our society, and this has crept over into the church, and everybody nobody wants to serve, everybody wants to be served. And that creeps into the church. You got some people that they get all bent out of shape, if they come to services and they don't get served like they think they ought to be served. But they've missed it. They've come to where? They we come to services. <laughs> What do you do at services? You serve. He said, Jesus said, when we've done all that we ought to do, he said, we're still but unprofitable what? Servants. You know what servants do? Servants serve. You think he showed that in the upper room? The night he washed the disciples' nasty feet and said, this is what, you know, I'm teaching you what you need to be doing. We need to serve. You don't come here to be served. Now... If you've got a whole congregation of people who serve, and it's going to be reciprocal, right? You're going to receive some service. But that's not why you come. You come to services to serve. First of all, serve God, and serve one another. We need to serve. Somebody says, well, how can I serve? Well, it's not just serving one another here. We do that by teaching, admonishing. We'll talk more about that. But we need to be serving one another outside four walls in the meeting house. We need to be serving people. How much do you serve? Somebody said, well, I don't know how I can serve. How can I serve? What's in your hand? What's in your hand? You know, I might not be able to serve like you can serve, but everybody can serve. You go to Acts chapter 9, verse 39, you read about a woman named Dorcas. Now, what she had in her hand? Pretty small in it. Same as uh, She had a needle in three it. That's what she had in her hand. Evidently, the woman could sew. I don't know what else she could do, but she could sew. And while she was living, she made garments for the widow women. And when she died, you read there in Acts 39, they remember they had her laid up there in the upper room, and uh, Peter comes up where they laid her, and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with him. What did she do? This woman served. And by serving others, she served God. I I don't know what else she could do. People want to know, you know, how important is it, you know, to to serve in the congregation, it's important to serve in the congregation. But I'm going to tell you, there's more people who serving in the congregation than a, a preacher, or two or some elders, deacon. You know, everybody serves, and most of our service needs to be done outside four walls of the meeting house. And whatever it is that you can do, maybe you can sew. But sew. Maybe you can drive a nail. Maybe you can cut grass. I don't know what it is you can do, but whatever you can do, do it to help others in serving them so that you can be serving God in doing so. You know, what she had in her hand seemed to be insignificant, but she used it and the Holy Spirit thought it was good enough to record it in the Word of God right along with Moses and Shamgar and David and, and we reading about her this morning. Now, is that what we would have done? Or would we have said, well, i am sow a little, but those widow women wouldn't want anything I'd sow. I'd so <laughs> a little, but what I, you know, I, I'm no seamstress. Uh, we can always make an excuse. God says, what's in your hand? Use it. Use it. Ask yourself if you've got any spiritual calluses. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a man a lot of times if you've got about shaking his hand a lot of times, you know. I tell you, a man's been got some calluses on his hand. He's been doing something with it. It all kind of works you know, nowadays. You know, you may work hard just mentally, you know, at a computer you may have calluses on the end of your fingers, you know, that kind of thing. But you can tell all, whether a person's been working or not, right? Well... This woman used what she had. A lot of lessons just about serving. But you take the next thing. He says, he who teaches in his teaching. Now, here's something everybody can do. Everybody can teach. In fact, everybody's got to be teaching some way, some form, somehow. You've got to be teaching if you're a disciple. Jesus, what do they call him? A lot, Teacher, teacher. How many times they come up? Teacher, rabbi, teacher. You're a disciple of Jesus, a learner and follower of follow Jesus. You know what you'll be. You'll be a teacher. You'll be a teacher. Well, not everybody teaches the same way. Some teach class. Some, a lot of people don't teach class. Not because they can't. It's just because they won't. It's not because they ain't got the ability in their hands to do it. Some some of them some some won't. you have to beg people sometimes to teach the little kids in class, you know, and stuff because they, you know not it's not easy. It's a whole lot easier to teach all term classes than to teach the little kids. I've I've done both. (laughs) And the women need to be committed and encouraged that that do that. And the women that don't, because it's not easy, need to ask what's in your hand. You know, you ought not have to be begged to teach class. Some people can teach and do a good job at that. Some are able to preach publicly. Uh, Some are better at preaching than preachers and preaching on the job. I knew a guy. And for years. He had such stage fright. He couldn't even wait on the table. Now he's he finally overcome that after 40, 50 years. But he 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 couldn't do nothing. He'd lock up. And he's still a real shy, backward type person. But I want to tell you. He can talk to somebody on the job. And convert people. God needs it all, doesn't he? He wants us all to teach. You just got to use what it is that you have. But we've got to teach. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, He said, go therefore and make disciples. You've got to teach people the gospel. And when you're teaching people the gospel, you're teaching them the and giving them the greatest thing that you can give them because you're giving them something that's going to be able to save their soul. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, don't be ashamed of what you got in your hand. Everybody's got the gospel in their hand. He said, I'm not ashamed of it, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes in the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Don't be ashamed of what you got in your hand. Be able to talk to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But once you see them converting, there's nothing better than to be able to convert somebody. That's a whole other lesson. There's joyless Christians because joy is found in teaching somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ and know that you've allowed yourself to be an instrument in doing that. If you, there's nothing better to, than to see somebody obey the gospel and to know that the, you've allowed yourself to use the, the powerful word of God and see that transform their life. The only thing better than saying that is to see somebody that you've taught the gospel, teach somebody else the gospel. <laughs> that, that's joy. If you're not experiencing that joy, then you're not using what you got in your hand. You need to be teaching. But once you teach somebody, Jesus didn't just say, go make disciples and then forget about them. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, he said, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Are you busy? When you look around, I don't know how many new converts you have in this congregation. Maybe you've got people that's just become a Christian. How Those of you who've been Christians for a long time, are you encouraging them? Are you teaching them the things that they need to know so that they can grow? Do you say anything to them? you got to teach them. That's something that everybody has in their hand. And even... Women have the responsibility to teach. It's not just all about men teaching publicly. You know, Titus chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. The older women to teach the younger women. How how many older women are teaching the younger women? How many older women are saying anything to the younger women? You know, a preacher has a responsibility to teach everybody, and then he, he has a responsibility to teach the younger women to be modest. For example... But if a young woman maybe is not dressing as modestly as she should, maybe she doesn't have the kind of upbringing and background she needs at home to get that kind of encouragement. But she just doesn't know. Maybe she just doesn't know. Yes, preacher has to preach on that, but how much better is it going to be coming from a godly woman who would take her aside and talk to her and encourage her and teach her about modesty than it would be just coming. It's got to come from the pulpit, pit, but it needs to come from more than that. Older women need to be teaching younger women. Are you busy doing that? What's in your hand? Somebody a new Christian said, well, you know, I've not been a Christian very long. I don't know anything to teach anybody. I've just been taught. Well, I want to tell you, if you just know what you did to become a Christian, you know enough to tell somebody else what to do to become a Christian. Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says that when everywhere preaching the gospel because of the persecution that was coming, remember Paul was ravaging the church and they all was getting out of there. And a lot of those, they haven't been Christians long. But it says that when everywhere preaching, they, they taught what they knew. They shared the gospel. Everybody can teach. What can I do? What, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? i am tell you, he said, he who exhorts in his exhortation. Everybody can exhort. That's something everybody can do. What does exhort mean? Well, it means to call on, and to entreat, to admonish, to urge somebody to pursue the right course of conduct. If you see somebody that's not living like they ought to, exhort them. If you see somebody that is doing what they ought to be doing, exhort them. (laughs) They keep on keeping on. Everybody can exhort. In fact, the Lord put that together with coming together and doing together what he tells us to do together. One of the things we're to do when we come together... Yes, we're to go through the five acts of worship. That's part of what we do when we come together. But when we come together, we're to think about one another, how you can exhort somebody. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. And it said, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembly as the habit of some is, but encouraging or exhorting one another all the more as you see the day drawing in. Before you come to services, so that you can serve, <laughs> you think about how you're going to serve. He said, first of all, you need to be here. You can't, you can't serve if you're not here. And you can't exhort if you're not here. That's why he said, don't be forsaken the service. Some of just come quick. He's not talking about missing. He, they come quit, But most people start missing before they quit. But he says, you consider, that means to think about, right? You consider how to stimulate your brethren. That means before you come to services, you need to think about who needs what how I can help them. You can't exhort somebody very well unless you think about who it is that you're exhorting and how they need to be exhorted. He said, you consider... Do you think about that before you come? i tell you what you can do. You're praying about people or you're, you're thinking about who you can exhort. You can just go through the congregation in your mind. You ever do that? You can start up here on one side. Most people, you got a few oddballs that move around, but most people sit in the same spot every time. And you can just shut your eyes and go through the congregation. Think about who they are and what they need and... If you know them, if you know them, you got to know them before you can know what they need. But think about who they are and what it is that that you can do. Consider how to stimulate that person to love and good deeds, and exhort them. Everybody can exhort. And if somebody having some trouble, you ever have trouble? <laughs> you know, even preachers have trouble. Believe that or not? Preachers have trouble. Elders can get discouraged. Everybody needs help now and then, right? And Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 says, Therefore strengthen the hands of the weak and the knees of the feeble. And we all need exhorting and encouragement. And that's something that's in the hands of everybody. Now, I don't know how much you're doing. Maybe you're doing all these things. But if you're not doing them like you need to. I, when I look at I, I preach stuff I need. If I figure I'm pretty common, most folks are going to need some of it too. I need it. You remember a kickstart, a jumpstart, you you're getting a rut? This will get you out of it. What's in your hand? Better be using it. Many fail to use what... Many people fail to use what they've got because their hands are full of everything else. That's the problem. God keep putting. a uh, into the hands of anybody, anything, whose hands are so full of everything of the world. we got so many hobbies and we're running the kids here and there. I want to tell you, ball's fun, but you can have too much ball. You can hunt, you can hunt too much. Ain't nobody likes to hunt in no the morning, I like to hunt. Play music, I like to do too many things. That's my trouble, I can't figure out what I want to do somehow. But you can have so many things that are going that you can't do what you need to do. Better be using what God's putting you in. He says, he who gives, let him give with liberality. Now, when I was younger, I used to read that, and I thought that meant, you know, here's somebody talking about different things you can do, and he's saying, man that's got a lot can give a lot. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you give with liberality whether you've got a little or a lot. Whatever you give, and everybody can give something. Now, you might not be able to give what the other fellow gives or vice versa. But whatever it is that you give, you give it how? You give. You use what's in your hand and you give with liberality. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and verse 2, he talks about giving on the first day of the week. That's one way we can give. That's not the only way you can give. But that's one way we need to give every week. He said on the first day of every week. He didn't say every now and then when you decide to. He said, every first day of the week, let each of you put aside and save. But notice how he tells you not only to do it, he tells you how to do it. He said, as you've prospered, as you've prospered. Now, everybody can do that. Now, I might not prosper like you. You might not prosper like me or that fellow or what. But everybody, as you prosper, as you prosper, you give accordingly. He who gives, let him give with liberality. Do you know what a lot of people do? They come going through the motions of religion and they give all they would get. They would not be caught not giving. But they don't give as they prosper. They give like they hadn't prospered. In fact, some people in they're giving treat God like a dog. Our dog gets a scraps. Little Lily there, Robin gets on with that. She you know, she comes to me, I'm what feeds her. You know, but she don't get what, she gets the scraps. Gets a little more than used to. Four young ones, we used to not, you know, old Amos and Gus, they used to not get too much. Four kids, three boys and a girl, you just didn't have any scraps. Now there's a few scraps, but the dog gets the scraps. Some people treat the Lord like a dog. They don't give it as they prosper and set aside from their income what they're going to give to God, give him the first fruit, give him the first of it. They'll go and they'll do this and do that and go here and go there and go go out to eat or leave a big tip. And sometimes won't put into play on Sunday what to tip of the waitress down at the Mexican restaurant. There's something wrong with that kind of thing. Don't treat the do- Lord like a dog. Give him what's first. Don't give him the scraps. Give as you prosper. Somebody said, well, what I had to give, Lord, it wouldn't make any difference. No way. That's not the point. He's saying you use what's in your hand. And when you make an excuse and don't give him what he... uh, Fulfill your responsibility, you're going to cause his anger to burn against you. You take that woman in Mark chapter 12, verse 42. That widow woman, what'd she have in her hand? Well, it wasn't much, was it? Two little old copper coins that amounted to a cent. She put it in, didn't she? Now, nobody wasn't paying attention to her, except the Lord. Lord was. Everybody else watching all these come in, it was really not giving as they prospered. They just want to look like they were, you know. They'd they toot their horns, put it in. When this woman come in and put it in, the Lord called disciples and said, boys, come in man. I want you to say something. He said, you see that woman right there? He so said, she's put in more than anybody that's put anything in the temple today. What she put in the treasury meant more than any of it. Because she didn't give out of her surplus. They'd all given out of the surplus. They're treating God like a dog. She gave it all. And became, I don't know who she is. Don't know her name, but the Lord knows her. Because she used what she had... In her hand, and she became one of the greatest examples of giving and liberality that we have recorded in the Scriptures. Is that the way you give? Do you use what you've got? He said, Prayer. Prayer. Be devoted to prayer. Now, you might not be able to do anything else. <laughs> I think we can all do some of all of this. You might not be able to do much of any of these things. You might be able to give liberally, but not much. Just like this woman. But I want to tell you, everybody can pray. This is something that's in the hands of everybody, but how much do you use it? I believe prayer is one of the most wonderful blessings that we have and yet one of the misused, unused blessings that we have. Devoted to prayer. He said, be devoted to it. Given to it. Use it in your... You get... Have you got any prayer calluses? <laughs> I mean, he said, you use your hands, you'll get calluses on. You use prayer. Use it in your life. Make it active. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, says, pray without ceasing. Every chance you get, pray. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. First of all, then I urge in treaties, and prayers, petitions, thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and those in authority, do we need to be praying for our country? Do we need to be praying people all over the world, all the unrest and all the things that's going on in this world? In order that we might lead tranquil and quiet lives and godliness and dignity, he said, This is good and acceptable on the side of our God and our Savior. God wants you to do this. He wants you to use what's in your hand. He wants you to pray. He wants you to pray all men. He wants you to pray about the leaders. He wants to pray. He wants you to pray about the church. You want the church to grow? Are you interested in the kingdom of Christ? Are you interested in college view? Then pray about it. Paul said to the Ephesians. Chapter 6, verse 18, With all prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, be on the alert. With all perseverance and petitions for the saints. How much are you praying? Well, I'm going to have to move on. Supply and needs. That kind of goes along with serving. Look around and see what somebody needs. As you're considering how to consider to encourage, also think about what the person might need. Now, if they need something sold, sew it for them. If they need some grass cut, cut it for them. If they need something painted, paint it for them. Sometimes they just need somebody to listen. They need some companionship. They need to be prayed with. That's not just up to the elders and the preacher. He's talking to everybody here. He says... If you can do this, and everybody can in some ways, supply needs. need. But if you know of a need and don't get it done and just go through the motions of religion and say, Oh, I love my brethren. He said, What good is that? What good is that? To know of a need and not do nothing. To have ability in your hand and not use it. Listen to what he said in James 2. He says, what use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith and has no works? Can that save a man? And the answer it, it won't. It won't. He said, if a brother and sister is without clothing, need a daily food, and one of them says, go in peace and be warm to be filled. I don't fill a belly, does it? That doesn't help the problem. He said, what use is that? Do you know what the answer is? I like James. James is a practical in What use that? He, he, I could hear James. If he was from the South, he said, it ain't worth nothing. <laughs> That's what he'd say. He said, faith, even so faith, if it has no works, it's dead being by itself. Faith ain't worth a nickel if you don't put it into action. And we see in Acts 2 that that's what they've done. When they saw peoples in need, they shared. If they had to sell something, they'd, they'd help somebody. Whatever you got to do, use it. You know, in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 20, it's interesting. That, that, no, that excellent wife, the worthy woman, what's it say there? It says, it talks about her hands. It says, she extends her hands to the poor. She stretches out her hands to the needy. Now, a lot of times we say, well, I'd help somebody if I could see something, you know, if, I, if it comes my way, I'll be glad to help. Don't wait till the needy comes and extends their hand to you. You go looking for something you can do. It says she extended her hand to them. That's a the difference in there. Don't sit do around and wait on it. Go looking for it. And use what you got. Practicing hospitality. And brethren, I want you to understand that these passages right here, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9, Hebrews 13 and verse 2, these are not suggestions. They're not suggestions. These are called commands. Commands. He didn't say it might be good if you showed hospitality. He said you show hospitality. And he said when you do, don't gripe about it. He said do it without a complaint. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9. Are you showing, when was the last time you had your brethren in the house? Showed them hospitality? He's not asking that you might, he's saying show hospitality. This is part of what you can do. Somebody says, I, I can't cook. The Colonel can. <laughs> There's different ways showing hospitality in there. You know. Help somebody, show them hospitality. Have them in your home. And not just, not just for a select few. Sometimes we want to show hospitality to the ones we've got, you know, the most in common with and, and, and we see all the time. And that's okay. But try to have somebody that you don't know in the congregation. Because, you know, sometimes the problem is, even in our congregations people are strangers. it ought not be that way. But Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. There's somebody in the congregation you don't know, get to knowing them. Right? And if somebody visits who is a stranger, use that opportunity to take them out so you can get to know them maybe teach them. Lastly, as a bell is ringing, rejoice for those who rejoice and weep for those who weep. We talked about that last night. Jesus wept. If we, if Jesus did, then we need to. Take your kids to the nursing homes when they finally open up where you can and Take them to the funeral home. They need to learn to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 6. We are members of one another. He says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one is honored, they all rejoice with it. And I'll just close saying this. You know, what's in your hand? Don't be like the, the fella in Matthew 25. Now he had something in his hand too, that one talent man. He sat on his hands and buried what he had in his hand in the ground. The Lord wasn't pleased with that. He said, cast him out. Weep and gnashing of teeth. Just a lot to think about. We'll stop. Appreciate your attention this morning.